Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Does anybody else ever scare your wife when you're getting ready in the morning? Like even on accident, that happened today. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Literally, we both had got up early and I was running the office to kind of study a little more. And so I took a shower and then she jumped in the shower and this is just what happens. And she was like, hey, will you hand me the the shampoo? It's on the counter over there by the sink. So I grabbed the shampoo. I'm just doing what I'm told. I grabbed the shampoo and I go stick it over the, the glass door like this. And she goes, like that. I'm like, I literally just did what you told me to do. I, sometimes we can't win, guys. I don't know. It's funny. I was literally thinking about that because I was like, I feel like God does that to me sometimes. I feel like it's like we ask for something, and sometimes he gives us what we didn't ask for, and we're like, oh. But other times it's like it happens so fast, and I've kind of been in one of those seasons lately, you know, me and my wife, my wife Lindsay and Brayden and Leanne all got to go to Bethel. I did school and ministry in Bethel several years ago, six or seven years ago now, and just amazing culture, amazing church that shaped my life years ago and has played a huge influence in Brayden and Leanne's life, and we followed them from afar and closely at times, uh, building some connections and things, so just a, a community we really look up to, so it was an honor to be there, and we got to go to a leaders, leaders conference there, and so so many amazing things happened. Uh, you know, someone asked me this morning, do you feel refreshed? And I'm like, I definitely do somewhat. It's like you just get so poured into, it's amazing, and it's just filling you up. But then it sends you in like this process where you're like, I think I need like a week to just process everything that happens. So, you know, it's kind of making the joke earlier with Lindsay, but it, it, God, is, he's doing so much, and he's doing it really fast. And obviously, even the church is a byproduct of that, how fast we're growing and it's just really incredible. So, but I didn't say this. My name's Josh, and I'm the executive pastor. I know we already welcomed you, but any new time guests, one more time, thanks for being here. It is an honor. I don't think we could say it enough. So, because it's just cool that people show up because we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> so, sometimes I like to say it a different way, but I just feel like I'm grabbing the Lord's coattails sometimes, like trying to keep up, and He just keeps blowing our minds with testimonies and stories and transformation and, and everything. So, so you're a part of it, whether you like it or not, you don't know what you're doing either. So just kidding, but I kind of just want to share a little bit of my story today and just see where the Lord takes it. Uh, had some cool encounters and experiences in Bethel and even had one on the way back and God's just doing amazing things. And so uh, I, I may share a little bit of that, but I, I kind of just want to tell my story in a way, and I don't know what all I'm going to say, but ju- just, just to testify a little bit. Uh, you've probably heard, even in ministry time, and I, I do preach quite a bit, so you may hear uh, some stories that you've heard before, but just to give you a brief overview in a nutshell, I grew up in church. I grew up in East Texas, and my dad was a pastor, and he went to Baptist seminary, and so grew up in a spiritual family. My mom and dad are, are amazing, still amazing to this day, love the Lord, committed to the Lord, but they, they're not in ministry currently, but they were when I was younger, and my dad... Um, was a senior pastor. So I grew up in that environment. And as I, as I like to tell people, I, I really believe this. I grew up loving the Lord and knowing he loved me. Even before I accepted him, it was like I never had this thing that like God's mean or he's mad. Or, and I know we all come from different places. And I, I didn't come from abuse or, or different things like that in my family. So it was a very healthy environment. And so I did. As I said, I always grew up knowing the Lord loved me. And I always loved him. 
But everything changed when it started. The first change, when I was nine years old, I accepted Jesus, and I was literally watching a Christian television show called Gospel Bill. See, there's like three people. Everyone else is like, you guys are weird. But he's, he's actually a, has been. He handed off to his son, but he's a senior pastor of Church on the Move in Tulsa, which is a very large church, successful ministry in Tulsa. And so it was cutting edge at the time, okay? I realize when I say Gospel Bill now, we're like, how did that work? I don't know. But he did the salvation prayer at the end, and I was nine years old, and I was like, I was just glued, man. I was glued to the TV. I prayed the prayer. I went sprinting around my house screaming, I'm saved. I'm saved. My mom was like, oh, yeah, yes, okay. I don't know what to do with you right now. I was just out of control. So accepted him at an early age. And, and just to be honest, from then, from then on, as I said, I already knew God. I did believe he loved me and I loved him, but I never really lived for him in the early years. It was just kind of off and on and you know, my dad was in ministry and had some rough experiences because he grew up denominationally, but then this whole Holy Spirit thing came along. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have been on that journey, but, but he was basically taught with his theology that the gifts of the Spirit weren't for today. It's, it's something you call cessationism. It's like you don't, that's not for today. We have the fullness of the Scripture. They didn't have the whole Scripture he, you know, everything wasn't written fully, and so just like, how do you, so we needed them then, but we don't need them now, so are we like, okay, anyways, but so for him, he had these radical encounters with the Lord, and, and that, that began to shape things in my life too, but it was a bit of a struggle finding, connecting with the, with the church home and community, and so um, anyways, that was basically my journey, it was kind of in and out of church for a long time. And so I, I did college and pursued sports, and my family was athletic, and we always played sports, and that was a big part of what I did. And so truthfully, sports was my God. You know, we, it's like we may not like to say it like that, but I realized that later. That was like, that was the, the thing I wanted to do. It was my greatest passion, and I was gifted in it. And so I did it in high school, did it, and played college basketball, and was pursuing that. And then there's this one day that changed my life forever. It was March 30th, 2008, and I had been partying and just kind of running around with different crowds and people that weren't really pursuing God, and I actually left my, my tab open at a bar because I forgot to close it because that happens when you drink and get drunk. So it's like, oh my gosh, is he, yeah, we're getting honest today. <laughs> and so anyways, I was driving and just felt tormented by the enemy because remember, I always knew God. I always loved God, and so when I wasn't living for him, I heard God. I knew his voice. And so it was like I knew I wasn't doing things I should be doing. And I was doing, you know, just doing, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And so as I was traveling, I was driving down the highway in Dallas and just felt just this immense fear come over me. I was having trouble breathing and just couldn't form together a thought or a, a, any words or sentences in my head other than the name Jesus. And so I was just driving going... Uh, like, I can't breathe, I don't know what's happening, and the crazy thing is, this is true, I told a friend this the other day, it felt exactly like a drug trip that I had, it, it felt like I was on ecstasy, and I hadn't done ecstasy in years, and it was just, I was losing my mind, and I was tripping out, and I was like, what is happening, and the Lord just began to explain things to me, and, and kind of show me the spirit realm, and how doors I've opened, the enemy was kind of trying to get in there through fear, and doubt, and all these things, and so I just, it, I ended up just in sheer terror, really, but it's like a, if you want to 
determined naturally. It was just an intense panic attack. And so I called my dad uh, finally after I just confessed Jesus' name over and over. I was just, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It was all I could do. And I called my dad, and I drove to his house at 26 years of age and just dropped to the floor bawling and crying and confessing every sin I've ever done in my life. It was like no one asked me to do it. I just didn't know what else to do. <laughs> and so for me, I was just like, Bleh. this is me. And, I, and I, I, had no, I have no idea where we're going today, but I had no idea I was even going here. But I feel the Lord really saying this. Sometimes we just breeze past confession like it's not that big a deal. But the Bible tells us to confess our sins one to another so that we can be forgiven. And, clean, and then he cleanses us and makes us righteous. So you do need to know that the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross cleanses you. But you also have a part to play in it. And I do believe confession's a big deal. So it, 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 you remember, <laughs> here's the, the equation. Confess, heal, and become righteous. It's not confess, shame, and live in condemnation. That's a different gospel. That's not what I'm saying. You don't confess because you're a bad person. You may have done some bad things. You confess because God has made you righteous, and you need to confess to discover your righteousness. And so... Anyways, that's what I did. It was really all I knew to do and just begin to confess. And it, when I did it, it was like it removed this filter in my head that was blocking truth. It was like I, I was around it. Like I said, always knew God. But it was like when truth would come, it would be like just this foggy thing like right around here trying to land in my brain but couldn't fully land. And as soon as I confessed, he washed me, made me righteous. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was like I had to just get rid of all of it. And just, just lay bare, <laughs> spiritually naked before the Lord, and just allow Him to move in me. So He did. And crazy things happen. Um, God just, he, he just started wrecking my life. And so all I ever wanted to do was, was play sports. You know, I have a coaching and teaching degree. The truth is, I never really liked coaching and teaching. I did a little bit of it, but I just like to play. I like to play sports. And so I uh, had opportunity to go overseas and, and play professionally a little bit and do some things like that. And when, when the first opportunity came, it was the first time in my life I could actually say that I prayed the Lord's Prayer and not my prayer. There is a difference. The Lord's Prayer is His will. Your prayer is yours. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's what Jesus prayed. Jesus didn't want to die. But He's like... Not my will, but yours. And so that, that prayer is a true discipleship prayer. Like if you, I feel like I'm just talking to disciples today. I don't know where we're going. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to begin to pray his will. You can love him. And guess what? He loves you. Even if you don't follow him with your whole heart, he's made up his mind. He loves you radically. But if you want to follow him and pursue him, it's discipleship. It's giving up your rights, giving up your desires. You know, because even the Bible says your heart's deceptive. So, the, and then it's like it gives you the desires of your heart. You're like, what the flip? 
Like, how does this work? The only way it works is if you put it on the altar. You're like, here's my dreams, here's my passions. You said you're going to give them to me, but I don't know any other way to know if you're the one giving it to me or if it's just me or if it's my, your will, my will. Here you go. Hands off. So that's what I had to do with basketball. I didn't want to do it, trust me. It was like, okay, I can go to Czech Republic. We'll see what happens. You know, there's some pretty ladies over there. I don't know. I was like, that's where I was. And my dad came up and he said this phrase. I'm going to share a lot of things that changed my life. Changed my life forever. It's like my dad, how my dad talks. It's like every movie he sees is like the best movie I've ever seen. I'm like, dad, you, you can't say that. He's like, what's the movie, Divergent? I've never seen it. I'm like, there's no way. There's literally, there's, there's no way possible. He's like, best movie I've ever seen. Next week, it's the best movie I've ever seen. I'm like, they all can't be best. Like, it just... It just can't work that way. <laughs> but I'm going to have a lot. This changed my life forever. A lot of things changed my life forever, okay? One of the other things, so he came up to me, and he was like, you know, I know you're kind of in process about this, kind of a big deal as a young adult. If you're going to move across the country, pursue playing uh, professional basketball overseas, he goes, I, I feel like I just want to challenge you with something. And he said, if you're going to play basketball, it's wrong. He said, but if you're going because God told you to and basketball is what you do, then it's right. I was like, I know it's the Lord and I hate that you said that. And I had to deal with it. And that's when, like I said, I actually prayed the Lord's prayer. I was like, Lord, I know it's right. I want to go out of my own selfish stuff, but I've never chosen to just fully lay down my desires. And here's the thing, I know he gifted me to play sports. I did it for a long time and was successful, and it was something he graced me with. It doesn't mean he called me to do it for the rest of my life. He might, like I believe there's people in the NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever, sports, men, women, all that, that they are called, I'm just telling you, pray the Lord's Prayer. And when I did, it's not what he said. And I was like, Lord, I, I was like, I don't know. I was like, you got to talk to me. you got to tell me. And all I know is when I prayed that prayer, the desire for basketball started going like this. Like it started shrinking, and I was like, I don't know if I like this. It started shrinking, and this weird thing, and it's still weird to this day, this weird thing called ministry. You ever heard of it? It's really weird. It literally started just bubbling inside of me, and I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to preach or something. I was like, wait a minute. Light bulb moment. Just kidding. But it was just, it was just welling inside of me, so that's all I knew to do. I, was, I just began feeling this thing and sensing that's what God was saying, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I was literally doing this Bible study, and it asked the question. It was like, who were you before you surrendered everything to Christ? Like, what was your identity before, and what is your identity now? And I'll never forget writing this down. It was in a Beth Moore Bible study. It just sounds lame when you're a guy. I don't know why. But not that I believe in women, though. Trust me. I believe in women preaching and doing it all. But it's just funny. But anyways, and so that was a question, like, who were you? Who are you now? And I wrote it out, and I was like, I was a basketball player who was coached and taught and learned self-worth, value, confidence, and success in winning and being praised. I was like, that, yeah, mm-hmm. It was like the Lord helped me, right? Like I couldn't remember this if it wasn't, if it wasn't him. 
but he helped me write it out. And he helped define my identity and what my identity was in. It was like it was just in sports and being, being successful and, you know, playing well and looking cool. He's like, that's pretty much it. It's like, dang. And then I was like, all right, well, who am I now? Which was really like prophesying, like, who am I going to be? And I wrote out, I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who learned self-worth, value, confidence, and success in losing and praising. He shifted everything in a moment. And I know it was like a process. I know that, that he was doing things in my life to prepare me for that moment. But I'm telling you, it was a 360 moment or 180. That's the better one, right? It was completely like 360. He's like, you're right back where you are, bro. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I went and played basketball. Just kidding. <laughs> it was a 180 moment. And everything shifted. Like the upside down kingdom. It was like, how in the world could that happen so fast? Like scaring my wife with shampoo. It just happened so fast. And so it just began, this, this, the trajectory of my life just completely changed. And it was like, all right, so what am I going to do? And then just it, every step of the way, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Every step of the way, why do we, I share this in ministry time, but I'm, trust me, I'm, pre, I'm trying to te- teach and share and help you, but I'm talking to myself, I'm preaching to the choir. We have got to just hone in on this daily grace that's available. And I, I think we, could, we need to hear it every day because it's daily. But it, we just get caught up. Like life has these pressures and demands, right? You're like younger. And you're like, who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What's my career path? Or you're even younger. Like what college am I going to go to? Who am I going to marry? If you're a girl, guys are like, I don't care about that until like, I don't know. <laughs> but, but you have these different pressures, right? You get older. It's like you get married. That's a big deal. That's a big decision. And then you have kids, and you're like, I don't even know how to live my life anymore. <laughs> like I share it all the time, but it's so funny. When we, this is a true story. When we, when we had Dallas, our firstborn, we left the hospital, and I was driving seven miles an hour the whole way home. <laughs> I was like, I would just look back, and his head's like this. <laughs> I'm like, his head's going to fall off. Like, no one told me that his head's going to fall off if I drive the speed limit. Like, I, the pressure. Like, you have to keep another human alive. Like, I don't have to keep my wife alive. She can do that. Like, that's pressure. Like, life has all these pressures. And if you're not careful, it just makes you want to speed up. It makes you want to speed up and speed up and speed up. And I'm cool with pace being fast, if that's what the Lord says. But I, I sh- I've shared this recently too, but you've got to get this. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord will have renewed strength. They'll mount up as, with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary, and they'll walk and not faint. You are called to have different paces in different seasons, I believe. And so there are times like you should be moving fast, and you should be going, I'm starting a business. You know, I'm going here. I'm starting this. I'm doing that. You can move fast, but did you wait? Or did you just go? You, you have to wait And you have to sit in the presence of God and hear God's voice and surrender your will to his before you move, before you walk, or before you run. So it's it's not as much about the pace as it is the waiting. I just firmly believe that. But life life just wants to speed you up and do all do all this. And 
it's funny because I started with this story in first service, but I mentioned we went to Bethel, and it's one of my favorite cultures in the world, and building some even more relationships with them, and it's just incredible what God is doing. And so I love being there, and I could tell you a hundred different things that, things that happened at the conference that are, like, amazing, and that's why I said I'm, like, in this huge process. But maybe the most powerful thing happened in the airport in Sacramento on the way back, because my wife and I were standing getting a smoothie, and I see this guy walk up, and I'm like, that's William Paul Young, the author of The Shack. And he's this older guy, he's pretty small, and, uh, you know, doesn't really stand out probably to the average, it's not like an NBA player, and you're like, he plays in the NBA, he's seven feet tall. So it's like... Not everyone recognized him, but I was like, I know his face. I had a friend that does these Facebook Live interviews, and he has his own ministry, and he interviewed him. I watched that. I've actually never read The Shack or seen the movie, but I've seen him, I've seen him in other things, and I've heard his story. And so I was even wrestling, like, I want to go say hi to him, but I was like, I can't tell him I haven't read his book. <laughs> I'm like, you can't go up to an author and be like, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, I've never read your book. Okay. Um, like, what do you say? Like, if he asked, do you lie? Like, I think you lie. I think that's what's right. <laughs> you have to. Otherwise, you can't keep talking. No. But um, anyways, I, it, as I said, like, I heard him. I've seen The Heart of Man, just this amazing DVD kind of documentary, movie documentary. And, uh, and he shares a lot of his story. And he went through some really hard stuff. And God restored the, his marriage and all kinds of amazing things. So I know he really carries this vulnerability and transparency that's super healthy. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go just go meet him and thank him for that. So I told my wife, I was like, yeah, let's, let's go talk to him. So I go up, and I'm like, hey, trying to be respectful. I'm like, are you Mr. Young? And he's like, no, that's my dad. And I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> you are the Shaq guy or no? And he was like, yeah, my name's Paul. And he hugs us. He's a super nice guy and just begins talking. You know, you don't know, like, with different people, you're like, right, should I shake? Like, okay, do I leave or do I? Wait, what? And so he just, he just starts talking to us, and we just begin a conversation. It was just super powerful because we asked him different things, and, uh, you know, he's just sharing about how the church needs to just be real and how the church can be fake. And so that's why we confess on stage to help us. But um, anyways, he shared some really powerful things, and I was like, so is that like your greatest passion, like? just carrying this transparency, and I'm telling you, he did, it, a second didn't go by, and he's like, oh, no. It's like, my greatest passion is my grandkids. He's like, all that stuff is way too complex. He's like, if it doesn't work with kids and slaves, it's not the gospel. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm telling you, like, it hit me, and I was like, I almost fell over in Sacramento Airport. I'm like, it was so powerful. And here, I, I did tell this to first service, too. I do understand like, the Spirit searches the deep things of God, and I'm actually kind of a deep spiritual person, dreams and visions, and so I understand. But you can actually teach that in a way where kids get it. And so I do understand, like, the deep things and going out, and the Bible talks about, like, Paul said, I want to give you spiritual food, but you're, you're too immature. He's like, there are many things I want to tell you, but I know you're not ready. So I do understand there's this maturation process where you grow with God, but at the same time, he was just honing in on the true gospel and trying to, try to just bring, just, it was centering me. It was like what I needed to hear because I can live in the future of all these things that are going to happen in the church and Midland and the city and the state and the country and what's God prophetically doing and what is, what is God's heart for his people in it. I'm going to tell you God's heart for his people. His name's Jesus. It, it, and it was just like, oh man, it was so healthy. 
to hear him just kind of bring this whole thing back. And I think, I think if we're not careful as Christians, we can end up doing church and we quit loving people. It's just true. It's like I, I like even a, a friend asked me, he's like, what? So I shared that with our, t- our team this morning, our, pre- our band and worship team and staff that helps here in pre-service meeting. He was like, what, is, what does that mean to you that it only works with kids? If, if it doesn't work with kids and slaves, it's not like the true gospel. And I was like, well, his whole heart is just saying we overcomplicate it. Like we get caught up in all these hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions, right? The pressures of life and all this stuff. It's just like the whole thing goes back, which he would say this, to what we preach all the time. It's receiving from God and knowing your identity as a son or daughter. I always tell people, if the foundational way you hear God's voice is you hear him tell you what to do, that foundation sucks. Pardon my friends, is that a bad thing to say? But it's not a good foundation. Why? Because it's works-based. I believe God tells us what to do. He shows us his ways. He gives us direction. He does all that. But have you asked him how he feels about you? Well, no, because there's no way he could love me. Oh, so Jesus didn't pay a big enough price for you? It always goes back to that. Before we do anything for God, we have to know how much He's done for us. You're like, well, you don't know how many mistakes I've made. You don't know. Like, there's no way He could. There is. There is a way He could love you. It's called the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. He loves you unconditionally, no matter what you do good, bad, ugly. He loves you unconditionally because of Jesus, not because you're awesome. And you are awesome because of Jesus. That's his heart. And it was just so cool to hear that. And it really it just ministered to me. I mean, I just felt like God just wanted to bring some centering today because honestly, it's like we're there all week just kind of going and blowing and <laughs> moving fast. And it's like I knew I was preaching Sunday morning. I was like, I'm going to have to like, carve out time to go study and do this but I'm always reading I've been reading the word in the morning and I was just like Lord I was like do you want me to preach a message he was like yeah I want you to preach whatever's in you and so he was just even dealing with me speaking to me and encouraging me to just follow him and surrender and be led by the spirit and say whatever he he wants to say because I think I think the the days of traditional church is over Like we, I shared first service, my, my wife grew up Catholic, and I know there's a lot of people in our church came from Catholicism, Baptist, Pentecostal, Pres- Presbyterian. There's a lot of different denominations, which aren't bad. Denominations aren't bad within themselves, and we're, God meets us in all these different places, so I'm always sensitive to believe that. But at the same time, if your spiritual experience and your church experience is founded on tradition, He can't have your heart. You can't pray His will because you're just doing the form or whatever. God is always after our heart. Discipleship is literally about not understanding and surrendering everything. 
It's like you're fishing, Peter, James, and John. Just fishing. She's like, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. What? What does he even mean? But there's something in the sound of his voice that strikes a chord with my heart. I got to follow this guy. He's always after our heart. And he will. He'll offend your mind to reveal your heart. It's like, oh, because now I can't be God and I can't be in control if I don't understand it all. If you're so focused on understanding everything, you are your own God. And you've just built a box. And you can call it church or Christianity or whatever. But it's not. He wants your heart. He wants the whole thing. He's not worried about your sin. He's not worried about your mistakes. All the guilt and shames, all from the enemy, or your own belief system, belief system, which is from the enemy. God wants to renew your mind. He wants to position you, position your heart where you understand that you're a son or you're a daughter of him, and he's an amazing father. Amen. Can we just pray? You can bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we just thank you that your presence is here. I thank you for moving now. We thank you, Spirit of God, that you're here, that you live inside of us, but you also want out of us. So Lord, I just thank you that you're, you would just baptize your people with your presence, with the Spirit, fresh and new right now, from head to toe. You just release your presence. We thank you that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is even a promise of the Father. So I just thank you that you're baptizing us and renewing our minds. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.